Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. We got a new season, season three. We made it to season three, episode one. This will be the first episode of the new season. I'm excited. Basketball preseason's going on. A lot of things going around the NBA. We have some news going on around the NBA uh, regarding players. We still don't know where James Harden is going. Damian Lillard has been traded. A lot of things going on. I'm going to be doing some predictions later in the week, uh, which I will get to. Um, but first, want to kick it off here. With the NBA GM survey, there were 50 questions um, asked around the league for the GMs, and they kind of gave a little bit of a pulse around the league. And I wanted to just go over a couple things there. Uh, repeat, the year is there, MVP is there, who's the best at each position, which I'll go into, um, as well as the East and Western Conference standings. I'll be doing my predictions again later in the week. Um, and as well as who's uh, the standings uh, for the NBA Finals. Who's the favorites to win the NBA Finals? That's going to be... Uh, the final topic here, but let's get into it with the first question was who would win rookie of the year? We got a lot of people out there. Of course, we got Victor Vinland, when Benyama out there in San Antonio, Scoot Henderson in Portland, Brandon Miller out there in Charlotte, um, Cam Whitmore, I like in uh, Houston, uh, Jarris Walker in Indiana. There's a lot of guys there. Keontae George in Utah, who I think could get significant minutes this year, hopefully for that team. Um, but a lot of the people like Chet Holmgren at OKC, let's see how the GMs voted. Uh, the GMs won 50% for Victor Wembenyama. Scoot Henderson is second with 27% and Chet Holmgren with 20% there at the lead there. And it kind of makes sense, right? Like Victor Wembenyama has been a high, highly touted prospect for probably about two years now. People, especially people watching him over there in France, um, seeing what he's done in FIBA and what he's done in preseason, what he, he how he moves in how he plays as a guard. And I think that's something that's so intriguing about him is that there's no ceiling on what he can do. Um, of course, with his size and height, you always just think about uh, all the other tall players that had injury history, Manu Bowl, Yao Ming, um, guys of that nature, Sam Bowie, who you don't think he's going to be, but you're just thinking hopefully with the new era of basketball, hopefully that's not a trend that continues, especially another guy that comes to mind is Greg Oden. Hopefully that trend just doesn't continue. And he doesn't seem to have those issues as yet uh, with a slight frame, but his game um, is just so dynamic for today's game. And especially at his height, um, being able to catch and shoot off the dribble, shoot from the three point range, being able to run in transition like a gazelle, all these things, Euro stepping and dunking from the three-point line, catching an alley from the three-point line. He was setting and pointing up and passed it and co covered that much ground to catch dunks at the hoop. All these things that he's able to do and able to handle the ball, able to do dribble handoffs, able to create off the dribble handoffs, things of that nature like he can do from that point of facing up from the basketball. This is the evolution of the bigs in the NBA, and he's it. <laughs> like I always talked about Evan Mobley last year being a kind of a version of a KG potentially, if he can ever get that offensive side of the ball, his defense is pretty good, but Victor Wimbenyama, his ability to cover ground um, gracefully, his ability to contest at the rim. He's seven foot five with a crazy wingspan, the ability to just deter shots, um, being able to recover a lot easier than other guys who get beat off the dribble. So even when he switches out, if a guy tries to go by him, he can cover ground with his, his, his quickness and the length of his wingspan. Like he's just, um, the talk of the town, talk of the NBA, and it's going to be crazy what he's going to be able to do in the league, especially when he gets strength and all the stuff about him being slight frame and stuff like that. Guys are going to grow and get bigger and, and get stronger as years go by. 
Um, this year is just to get his feet wet and see what he can do and really put on a show for the San Antonio Spurs. I agree with this decision. I think do think he's in position to win rookie of the year because I do think he's going to be able to get the ball a little bit more and be able to impact a little bit differently than other guys. Of course, Scoot Henderson um, follows up in the GM survey at 27%. He's second, but they got Damon Lillard out of there. Um, he's going to be running with Shaden Sharp. He still has a couple other people to feed, like Shaden Sharp, um, Jeremy Grant, uh, Keegan Murray's brother, DeAndre and Dominating, who just went to uh, Portland. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what Scoot does because he's going to have the full reign of that 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 team, and especially with a point guard coach like uh, Chauncey Billups was at that time point in time. It's going to be interesting to see how Scoot Henderson starts his career off, and it looks like he's going to be aggressive and going after it. And I think he's ready for the NBA. It's just going to take a little bit of time, a little bit more understanding of the game. But um, and it's just going to be if he can shoot because he's already able to get to the basket. He's he's fast as hell, and it's just going to come down to how much winning does Portland do now? Do they have two guys like Jeremy Grant and DeAndre Ayton where I think they can probably get some wins here and there? Um, I just don't know if that's going to be enough to sway people from Victor Wembanyama. Um third we have Chet Hongren in the in the voting at 20%. Um and this guy is right there with Victor Wembanyama. He's going to be battling him. I think he's probably on the best team um out of the three here that they voted on. Um especially playing with Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, um Jalen Williams. There's two Jalen Williams on OKC. So those both of those guys are pretty good. And um I think he's going to be have the, the chance to have the most wins, be on the playoff team potentially, and really impact the game. He can shoot. He can get to the basket. And it's kind of the same as degree as Victor Wimbanyama, probably just not the ceiling that Victor Wimbanyama has. But Chet can be definitely good in the league. And especially after missing his first season, he already has been in the weight room. He's already been training with the team for a long time now. So he has a little bit of more of a leg up than these other guys, right? So that's something that potentially plays a dark horse for him as well. Um, another guy I'm thinking about, Brandon Miller out there in, in Charlotte. I know he's going to be playing with Namel Ball and Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington. And if Miles Bridges can ever return from his uh, second transgression, with, um, I believe he violated parole. So we're going to see what happens there. But I think Brandon Miller, who I was high on um, coming into the draft, just because of his shooting ability and and in this league, you need a guy that can shoot the ball really well. And I feel like he can did he did that on the college level. That's going to transition easiest to the NBA level. Now, is he going to be a defender like of Wicked Wimbenyama and get blocks and get those type of numbers? But I think there's a potential there for him to be good on the defensive end as well. Um, it's just depending on what direction in Charlotte is, how many looks he's going to get, especially playing with all these other guys. Um, Charlotte, trade Terry Rosier and Gordon Hayward and get some picks, please. And do something properly this season if you're going to continue this transition after Michael Jordan and all this. Please do that because that's the only way Brandon Miller, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball is going to grow. And I'm not saying that Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward aren't good pros, aren't good vets. They can be helped out the whereas and the trajectory of this team is just different from where Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball is. Please make that transition. Just do that. But um, looking at him, he's the, probably the fourth on my list, but I, I, I agree with this completely. I think Victor Wembanyama is going to be winning the Rookie of the Year as well. Um, let's get into position battles now. I thought this was going to be, to be very interesting here. Um, starting off with who is the best point guard? Um, Stephen Curry obviously won that with 63%. Number two was Luka Doncic at 27%. Uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander with 7%. And Damian Lillard with 3%. It's pretty hard to argue with Steph Curry, even though he's 35. He's still at the peak of his game. We've seen it for the past two playoffs, winning the finals a couple years ago. Um, having a tremendous season last season and just continuing to be dominant 
the most gravity pulled person in the league in terms of just creating gravity and focus on defenses. You have to look where he is at all times. Um, very hard to pick him. Now, Luka Doncic, I don't consider him a point guard. I consider him a point forward. I, I just go off base of height. And it's always weird because it's like I don't put that stigma with Magic Johnson. So <laughs> I always look at Magic Johnson as a point guard. But Luka, I look at as a point forward. Probably shouldn't do that. He's probably a point. He is a point guard. I say point forward. But, um, yeah, Luka's probably another guy there that should be at the top of that list because of what he's able to do, basically nearly a triple-double every night. Um, Luka Ball. It probably doesn't work for anybody. It's kind of like I call him James Harden 2.0. Um, but it's just interesting to see how he's number two on this list. Um, you got Shea Gillis Alexander, who was coming on strong in terms of his rank in the league. Um, in OKC, the ability to get to the basket, draw fouls, just be tough, um, consistent pressure. Um, if he can ever just get his outside shot going a little bit more, I think he's going to rise up. But ESPN already has him in top 10 player rankings, which is a projection at the end of the season, what they think he's going to be in a top 10 player. He's definitely flirting with that list as one of the best actually coming off last season, averaging 30 all-star appearances, all of that, and especially being the leader of OKC and that young team that's going to get probably be out of the play and potentially could possibly sneak out of there and make some noise there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he's doing. Um, also Damian Lillard, who surprisingly got some votes. People think he's the best point guard in the league. Maybe they don't see Steph Curry as a point guard. Maybe they see him as an off guard. Um, same with Luka Doncic. Um, but Damian Lillard getting some votes there, especially after you think about his career in Portland as being kind of behind Steph Curry a little bit in all those, um, type of polls and all-star appearances and all that. There's some people that actually think he's better in the league. So that's interesting to see how that goes. Um, Obviously, you want him with the ball in his hand as the game is on the line. He's one of the most clutch players at the end of the games, big-time moments, big-time score. Um, so you got to have respect for what Damian Lillard does at that position. But I can't agree more that Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league at 35 years old even. There's some other guys that are coming on, like Darren Fox, Darius Garland, other guys of that nature, but it's just like they're just not into that upper echelon of point guards as they are yet. They're coming on, but not there yet. Uh, let's move on to the two-guard. Here, uh, shooting guard. Come on now. Work with me. Uh, moving on to the shooting guard, which I thought was pretty much standard, right? Like uh, Devin Booker's leading the way with 63%. Steph Curry at 10%. Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards at 7%. Also receiving votes was Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. It's like, I guess their style of play at, point at times is going to put them in that shooting guard position as Jason Tatum and... Um, Jimmy Butler, but it's like, I don't really see them as guards. I see them as forwards. They score for the team, but I actually, I actually put them in that forward type position there. Um, Anthony Edwards, of course, the rave about him and over the past, I've been saying over the past two playoffs, what he's done in his rookie year and then his second year, his ability to what he's scoring the playoffs and seek that moment, those big time moments. Also playing USA basketball really helped him. So that's going to be a good trajectory for him. He's only going to be on the up and up, for, especially for Minnesota right now who has to be careful around how they're building around him, especially with Cat and Google Bear up front. I feel like they have to make a decision there at some point. But the growth of Anthony Edwards is going to continue. Like, he wants it. He's a dog. He's going to go after it. He wants those big-time moments, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to stop him. I believe he's entering his third season. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to grow and contributes as a player and produces. It's going to be – he's definitely going to be in the all-star um, conversation. So – Seeing Anthony Edwards continue to grow and rise, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. He finished third 
um, right there with Luka Doncic as well as a two guard. And I'm like, I don't see that because he was just voted <laughs> second best point guard and now he's third best shooting guard and now he's going to even be in the small forward position i believe as well so it's just interesting to see how they place him and just be able to how different gms view him around the league um but yeah he's either a point guard or a small forward in my opinion point forward um moving on to number one is devin booker at 63 percent, and there's no question about it like i don't i don't think anyone's better than him and especially i would other guys that i thought would have saw on this list would have been Jalen brown donathan mitchell guys of that nature who I thought would have been in that conversation, but they're not, especially um, the way they voted, which was weird to me as well. Um, but yeah, Devin Booker, obviously one of the better point uh, shooting guards in the league. Um, very efficient score. can get you 30 a night, 40 a night. He's going to fill up the stat sheet regardless. But yeah, there's no question, especially leading out there in Phoenix ever since the, I feel like he caught on during the bubble season, carried that into the finals with Chris Paul carry that into last year with Kevin Durant and how they finished up the last season there. Um, last season there, he's obviously the best point shooting guard in the league. There's no question. Devin Booker's that guy at that position. He's going to score. He's going to be able to facilitate, but big time score, big time moment getter. Um, definitely not afraid of the moment. Um, yeah, he's the best shooting guard. No question. Moving on to my favorite uh, spot in the league. Small forward, I always feel like either, ever since the Paul Pierce days, Dominique Wilkins, Larry Bird, guys of that nature at the small forward position. It's my favorite position in, in, in the NBA. On 2K, I make a small forward. Um, but, yeah, that's my favorite position in the league. Um, Jason Tatum finished with 47%, Kevin Durant with 20 Luka Doncic with uh, 17 LeBron James with 13 and Kawhi Leonard with Three. Um, so it's interesting again to see Kawhi Leonard make this <laughs> on this list. I don't know if that was the one Clipper GM voting for him or whatever the case may be, but it's interesting to see Kawhi still be looked at, like even despite all the load management, despite all the injury history, despite all the uh, uh, getting hurt in the playoffs, that he's still considered one of those top guys. Like, yeah, he's he got a vote for the best play, small forward in the league. So. Some people still see him that way. I still see him that way, if healthy. And that's all the, the the parentheses around his career ever since Toronto is if he's healthy, he's one of the best small forwards in the league. Um, so it's interesting to see that. LeBron James entering season 21 as the fourth best small forward in the league, according to the GM poll. And I think that's just the respect factor of LeBron James and especially his IQ and his knowledge of the game. And if you have LeBron James, you're going to win a lot of games and stuff of that nature. Um, but definitely, I don't think he – is the, he's still a top 10 player but in terms of best small forward. I don't think so. Not at this point of his career, he's been carrying that torch for probably his whole career. Um, but at this stage, it's just like, that's a wrap for him. We're, heading, we're reaching the golden light, the, the golden age of his career, the, the end of it. So uh, again, respect to LeBron James, but I don't think he's the best small forward. Luka Doncic <laughs> appearing on this list again, showing up in three different positions, just shows how versatile I guess he is. Even though he plays point guard, small forward, whatever the case may be, but he throws showed up on three different uh, positions here on the GM vote. So it's, again, it's interesting just to see how guys seem around the league. Kevin Durant, I believe he had a 55-40-90 season, the first in NBA history to be that efficient around the league. Still easy money sniper, still going to be one of the best all time, especially at scoring the basketball. I believe he's 35 as well. So to see him continue to be a scoring threat at this point in time of his career and continue to be as efficient as he is. And he's just getting better and fine tuning his game after time. And then now he's in Phoenix with Booker and Devin, um, Bradley Beal. It's going to be interesting to see how many shots he gets open. 
um, who decide who people decide to leave open on that team. Um, but it's just the health factor, of course, with Kevin Durant, if he can stay healthy and continue to play what roughly 70 games a season. Um, yeah, he's one of the best ever at his position and it's going to continue to hold up, especially if he's going to continue to be as efficient. And that number one, Jason Tatum is at 47%. And it's, it's been known for a while now. I think the only thing that people have been questioning about Jason Tatum a little bit is sometimes he has those stinkers or games or some like stuff like that, especially with his efficiency. Um, but other than that, he can shoot, he can score the ball. He's gotten to the basket a lot, um, especially last year, getting putting his head down, getting to the basket, being able to score, being able to defend at his position. He's definitely one of the best at his position, clearly, and it's not even close, in my opinion. Um, and it's just continuing to see if he can take that next step into superstardom in terms of uh, leading a championship team. That's all that's left for Jason Tatum. Uh, moving on to the best power forward position. <laughs> and it only came up to two people. And 97% said Gian Santacumbu. And number two was Kevin Durant <laughs> with 3%. It's Giannis. There's nothing else to say, especially even coming off injury. It doesn't matter. Um, his ability just to get to the basket, his ability to just continue to apply pressure on both sides of the court. When you see that guy, that 6'11 out there, able to put out his wingspan, able to contest shots and stuff of that nature, difficult to score on. When you're looking at his offense, the ability to just consistently put attacking pressure on the basket is probably second to none in the league. Um, the, the ability just to fill up the stat sheet, you can just pencil in Giannis for 30 and 15 and six assists <laughs> and just let it go. Like he's that good um, at that position. Kevin Durant got a couple votes there, but I just don't think there's anybody else at the position. Um, you could think Triple J, um, Evan Mobley, future guys that are going to take that step eventually at some point. But at the power forward position, I really can't think of anybody else other than Giannis. It's, it's clear. Um, moving on to best center in the league. And this is interesting. Um, Nikola Jokic got 93% of the vote. Also receiving votes was Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. I mean, uh, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid. Um, Joker's the hot guy right now. He's just <laughs> should have probably been three-time MVP if he were consistently in the race there. If he kept his head in it, if they wanted to go after it, he probably could have been three-time MVP. Um, put down that <laughs> regular season MVP trophy, went to the finals, got the finals MVP trophy, got the championship, and then just clean up matter, just destroyed the Western Conference, destroyed the NBA finals. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, I was leaving off with Nikola Jokic, of course, after winning the NBA Finals, destroying the Western Conference, destroying the Eastern Conference, uh, the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, and just making it look so easy. Um, I thought the toughest test that he had was the Lakers, especially with a position battle against Anthony Davis, and he destroyed Anthony Davis. So continuing that and just continuing to be the best big in the league. Um, and again, I already said he's the best passing big in the league and has potential to be up there with the greats of all time especially with what he's doing in the league right now. Um, two MVPs, potentially always probably going to be in the talk for MVPs for the, probably the next five seasons, just because he creates so much opportunities for the Denver Nuggets on the offensive side of the ball. He's okay defensively. He holds up. He battles, at least on that side of the ball. But um, offensively, the, just the offense that he's able to generate, easily one of the best, the best big men in the league, no question about it. Um, Anthony Davis, getting that center position, even though he doesn't want to play center. <laughs> and that's been known ever since his uh, New Orleans Pelicans days. Uh, so it's interesting to see him get that vote, um, especially he had that uh, 
that uh, that MVP uh, month last year with uh, when he was healthy, just dominating, um, being able to be nearly, I believe, nearly close to 30 points a game. I think he was at 28 points per game, 10 rebounds, and just being able to be a force on both ends of the ball. The only question with him, again, is health. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay out of street clothes, as Charles Barkley likes to say? Can he continue to be that guy for the Los Angeles Lakers that they need him to be, especially with LeBron James in year 21, um, especially with everything going changing around there with the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, Austin Reeves coming into form, Rui Hachimura got that deal, D'Angelo Russell. It's like they need Anthony Davis to step up and be their consistent force on a nightly basis, especially leading into the playoffs and especially to stay healthy. That is the biggest question mark for him, of course, going into the season. Um, Joel Embiid, uh, last year's MVP, who just led the league in scoring, et cetera. Um, the injury bug struck again in the playoffs last year. And, of course, he won that battle last year against the Joker during the regular season, which everyone was talking about, which kind of gave him that push into the uh, MV- number one spot at the MVP position. Um, but, again, just with all the – again, he's in a position to uh, win MVP again especially just if he can just somehow get the the Philadelphia 76ers two plus 45 wins, in my opinion. If he can figure out a way to do that with all the turmoil with James Harden, and I picked him last year to win the MVP, and he did win one of the predictions that I did get right. Um, but just looking at Joel Embiid, he's a force being able to score at all three levels of the game, post, mid-range, especially when he likes the mid-range shot, and the three-point line, which he's able to step out and get. He's able to get to the line as well. Um, force on the defensive end, protecting the rim, rebounding the basketball, just a dominant force. And you understand why he'll be in this position again to try to win MVP. But I just like with the whole James Harden situation, if he's able to come out and and put the Philadelphia 76ers on his back, lead them through the season some way, he can be in position to win again as well as MVP as well. But as the best center right now, it's got to go to Nikola Jokic, especially with the run that he's had, um, the run that he's having the past couple of years. MVPs, championship, finals MVP, that much offensive pressure with the basketball, playmaking ability, scoring ability. It's got to be him. Now, moving on to another NBA award. Who will win NBA MVP? Uh, 43% was Nikola Jokic. 20% was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jason Tatum with 13% at number three. Luka Doncic at 10%. Also receiving votes, Anthony Davis. Cameron Durant and Joel Embiid and SGA. Um, looking at SGA, if he can somehow get the Oklahoma City Thunder out of the play-in into one of the top four seeds, continue to average 30 points, get OKC somehow in a round to win 50, 50 games, it's going to be interesting to see if he can do that. I don't think so, um, but I think that's the only way he can win MVP. Same with Joel Embiid, if he can get the 45-plus wins in the Eastern Conference and be a top four seed as well. Kevin Durant has a real good chance if he's the best player on the – uh, Suns, which I don't think he's going to be. I think that's going to be still Devin Booker. I think Devin Booker should have had a vote here um, if that was the case, because I think he's the number one guy on the Phoenix Suns right now. Kevin Durant's going to be here, do his thing. He's going to get high, high 20s and scoring, be efficient. But I think Devin Booker's going to be the engine of that team that makes it go. Anthony Davis, if he can get the Lakers to a top two seed, I believe, and just being dominant on both sides of the ball and really leading the Lakers and not letting LeBron James get that that shine. He can be in the conversation as well. Luka Doncic. Now, the Dallas Mavericks, they got a tough road again ahead of them. They got uh, Grant Williams in the offseason. Kyrie Irving extended there with them. 
but we don't know how it's going to look because they have been the biggest question mark over the past couple of years. I know they got to the Western Conference Finals um, just two years ago, but in general, this direction of this team is just unknown at this point in time. We don't know which direction they're going to go. We don't know the status of Luka Doncic. People are always rumbling that he's going to be the next guy to axe out at some point. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But Luka, if he's able to put up his numbers, if he's able to get those guys out of the play-in, get into a fifth, fourth seed, especially getting in the top of the conference and putting up the numbers that he can, playing well with Kyrie, actually standing up defensively a little bit. Um, I see that's the only way that he can win him the MVP conversation. If he's not in the top four or five seed, uh, top four seed in the Western Conference, I don't see how he can win it. Um, Jason Tatum is an interesting one because he has to be the leader of the Boston Celtics this year. There's no one question mark about that he's been doing it the past couple seasons but he has to do it on a nightly basis he always has these up and down little moments but then he gets consistent towards the middle of the end of the season and if he's the number one seed in this the conference if he puts up big time matchups against Giannis and Dame Lillard in Milwaukee if the Celtics are number one in the Eastern Conference possibly that's where I have them we'll see when our predictions but um Jason Tatum is going to be putting up probably 28 10 Hopefully he can get those numbers and lead the Boston Celtics to a number one seed. Definitely see him in that conversation. He should be in that conversation. He's been in that conversation for the past couple of years. And if there's a chance to win it, he has a chance this year. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, <laughs> again, another dynamo, 28, 15, six assists. He's going to be in that position to do that as well. Um, I don't I don't see how he can't be in the conversation. Like him and Joe, I'm going to talk about both of them in, in the same light that they just pr- produce so much force on the um, force on the defense, especially with Giannis with his attacking uh, Joker with his IQ and playmaking and, 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 and savviness creating for others. Um, Giannis is just a force on the boards. He's going to get 15 a night. He's going to attack the basket at all times. He's trying to get, he worked out became a large one. He gets in the post. Um, Joker with a scoring inside the post. I think he's an underrated post. People don't talk about that. His ability to post up, shoot the mid-range, shoot the three. Um, those guys are just going to be the leaders in that category, at least for the next two to three years, I think. Um, barring injury, hopefully Giannis doesn't get hurt again. Um, Joker hasn't really had a health issue. I don't think it's, I don't think his play style allows him to get hurt, really. But, um, yeah, those guys are going to be in that conversation. Um, for a long time, at least for the next two, three years, in my opinion, because they're just that talented. They're just that gifted on the, in basketball in terms of creating force, creating pressure, creating gravity. Um, yeah, those two are the, the leaders in the MVP conversation for sure. Now, moving on to predictions in the Eastern Conference from the GMs. Um, they have Boston at number one, Milwaukee at number two, Cleveland at number three, Philadelphia at number four, New York at number five. Number six is Miami, and number seven is Atlanta. Um, Boston and Milwaukee are going to be battling. Those are the two guys, that the two teams that I feel like are the two team, top two teams in the Eastern Conference, um, especially with the additions of Porzingis. Drew Holiday recently for the Boston Celtics as well. Um, it's just a question of their bench. Both of these teams have bench issues, I think, in my question, just to find another couple of guys to contribute there. Of course, Milwaukee adding Damian Lillard, um, still bringing back Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, in the fold, Giannis playing his basketball now. He's healthy. He's going to be there. Um, so it was interesting to see how uh, those two top teams are at the front. Obviously, I think they're head and shoulders above the the, the other contenders there um, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, head and shoulders. Um, we got Cleveland at three, which is which is interesting considering their flame out 
in the playoffs last year against the Knicks. But I think their play style, the ability to slow down the game and still be able to get some shots. They added Max Struess, Imani Bates. Imani Bates looks like an intriguing prospect. Um, finding his way to the NBA after all those transgressions in high school and college and stuff like that. So it's good to see him there. So hopefully he can produce to them. Max Drews, uh, the ability to shoot the ball. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because that's something that was desperately needed with Isaac Okoro and other guys. They couldn't find somebody at the three to be able to stretch the floor and be able to hold up. Max Drews off that Miami run was able to rebound, play defense, had a smaller position, be able to get off the bounce and get a couple of dunks, but ability to shoot the ball, be able to do the things well, and gives Cleveland a different dynamic that I think people are looking at, like, hey, that gives them a little bit of boost over the other these other teams in the Eastern Conference. Maybe not in the realm of Milwaukee and Boston, but it gives them the ability to complete, compete, especially being able to space the floor with those guys. Um, also, um, moving on to four, they still got Philly there, despite all the turmoil and all the things that are going there. If James Harden comes back and is actually playing, if he's just playing for a free agency and getting a contract, that can probably well go well for Philadelphia. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. They really didn't add too much to their team. Tyrese Maxey is obviously going to be looking to take a leap. So I can see where GMs are looking at that. New York falls to number five here. I believe they were a fourth seed. No, they were a fifth seed last year as well. So um, staying, standing put with that is just getting a full seat, just getting another season with Jalen Brunson. Um, Julius Randle, we'll see if he can come back and do anything. They did lose Obi Top and they lose a couple other guys. Seeing if RJ Barrett can also take another leap and continue to progress. Uh, they do have Quentin Grimes. Um, Josh Hart. So those guys are definitely going to play well, regardless on a night to night basis. It's just, I think it all, it all falls on Julius Randle and he's able to, again, return to that all NBA form, not crap out in the playoffs, continue to play well for the Knicks and see what the Knicks do down the line. They did lose Obi Toppin. So it's like, okay, that's a little something there, but I think that gives hopefully New York the idea to play different lineups, maybe play a little bit smaller um, and create some type of havoc with that team there with New York. Um, at number six, Miami, I think we all <laughs> just believe Miami is going to find some type of way to just make it happen. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty during the regular season. It's not going to be everything, but we got Tyler Harrow back. Uh, Duncan Robinson shooting the ball. We got, uh, I forgot the young kid's name. I don't want to mess up his name. Is it Jamie Vasquez, uh, the guy they just drafted who's going to be looking to um, make an impact as well. Um, Bam out of Iowa, of course. Um, my Jimmy Butler, <laughs> emo Jimmy. Um, but I, I think the GMs are just like, hey, those guys are going to find a way to make it happen. Um, the most intriguing team here at the Atlanta Hawks, in my opinion, because they can be a high seed just because people really believe in Quinn Snyder and what he's able to do um, as a coach. He didn't really have a full season last year, but uh, the ability to come in and have a full season with uh, Javante Murray and Trey Young. Um, and it's going to be intriguing what they do. It's going to be – they just moved off from John Collins. Uh, we'll see if Atlanta can stay in the mix and stay afloat out there in the Eastern Conference and get out of the plan because they've been in, stuck in that playing position um, for a long time now. And let's see if Atlanta, with Quinn Snyder for a full season now, can actually build some type of momentum and get into the playoffs here. Um, and it's interesting because that's all they did for the Eastern Conference there with the GM votes. Like, they were just like, oh, those are, these are the seven teams that matter. Orlando didn't make the cut. Um Detroit, Chicago, Toronto, Washington, Hornets. It's like those guys, those teams are just like written off because it's like you really don't know what direction they're, they're going in. Toronto can have a fire sale. Chicago Bulls can have a fire sale. Um, we don't know the health of Charlotte. Um, maybe the Wizards can do something with Jordan Poole and um, Kyle Kuzma. We'll see what happens. Chicago definitely 
Chicago and Toronto should definitely have fire sales in terms of just rebuilding, but I'll get into that in my predictions here. Um, let's move on to the Western Conference, which is probably in doing predictions and stuff of this nature. The Western Conference has reached 2011 levels where <laughs> teams were winning 50 games and uh, winning 48 games and missing the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns come to mind. Um, crazy season where multiple teams were winning 50 games out there. But I think the team, the league is still talented on both sides where that's not going to happen. But the Western Conference is still a dogfight, and it's hell, hell, absolute hell to figure out who is going to make the playoffs because somebody's not going to make it. <laughs> somebody's just not going to make it, and it's tough. Um, they got Denver first, Phoenix number two, Los Angeles Lakers at number three, Golden State at number four, the Los Angeles Clippers at number five, the Memphis Grizzlies at six, New Orleans at seven, Sacramento at eight, last year's darling, I believe they were a three seed, um, moving all the way down into the play-in, Dallas at nine, and OKC at ten. Um, Denver speaks for itself. I think they just have the best player in the game right now in terms of what he's able to do and able to create for his team. The loss of Bruce Brown, people are looking at that. They have some rookies that they're looking at, but I just think the, cre the creation of Joker, a full season of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Looking, continuing to grow his game, and Aaron Gordon has been solid next to Nikola Jokic. I don't I still see them as the first team in the West, even though people think that they're going to take their foot off the gas there and prioritize health and building these other guys, which continue could happen. But I think Joker's just going to be able to produce at a high level. Phoenix at number two, which I'm shocked. I'm going to talk about that in my predictions. But Phoenix, people obviously see the additions of Bradley Beal, all the additions of Yuta Wananabe, Eric Gordon, uh, Mitsu, other guys of that nature. I don't even know all the guys they have on Phoenix right now. But <laughs> it was a cast off of guys that they just added on the flip. And I think people are looking at Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and they just think that offense is just going to be high octane during the regular season. Teams are not going to be able to stop it. Probably going to try to set the scoring record <laughs> um, with those guys in Phoenix. It's going to definitely be something interesting to see how they um, come together and see how that offense is. And preseason is looking good right now, but it's like during the regular season, you're going to run into some teams that are going to be like, all right, we're not going to let you get away with all these stuff. We're going to make some of these other guys beat you. We're going to pick our poison out of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and we'll live with that. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. At number three, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I believe ESPN uh, win projection had them at like 43, 41. Um, I don't have them like that, but the GMs think otherwise as well. I think otherwise as well. I think the Lakers additions of especially defensively, um, bringing Austin Reeves back, D'Angelo Russell, um, guys of that nature there. And having guys like uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Jackson Hayes, who they added, Torian Prince, um, Cam Reddish, Gabe Vincent, especially getting some shooting ability there that they didn't have last season, adding a little bit more shooters, guys that can play two-way on the ball. Uh, I think the Los Angeles Lakers, especially when you're playing LeBron ball and with Anthony Davis, you're going to need people to space the floor. Um, so I think the Lakers did pan out and added guys that are going to help their team a lot this season, hopefully manage the scoring load off of LeBron all the time and stop relying on him in year 21. Um, Anthony Davis um, looking to take that charge. He's going to need shooters around him, and that's what the Lakers did. They got a nice roster, especially Gabe Vincent, who built off his uh, playoff resume last year, who I think is going to be a big addition for them. Moving on to Golden State, they added Chris Paul there, which is going to be interesting. I think 
Uh, we see how that plays out a little bit there in the preseason there, him passing the curry and stuff like that, being able to set up guys a little bit more. And that's what they traded out was the inconsistency, inconsistency, especially with turnovers and shooting the ball with Joe and the pool. And now bringing a little bit more stability there, hopefully with Chris Paul. And looking at that, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe for the second unit, like Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga setting up guys like that, maybe Kevon Looney in the lobster situation. Um, but it's going to be interesting because Chris Paul is at a different stage of his career. He's 38 years old. Um, obviously, the 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 Warriors want the veteran route. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he can really help the Golden State Warriors. He's going to set up uh, Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson, of course, maybe create some easy baskets for Draymond Green, pick and roll situations, stuff like that. Um, but I think his biggest impact is probably going to be on the second unit, and probably that's going to help the Golden State Warriors stay afloat during the regular season. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out um, there. Los Angeles Clippers at number five, despite all this t- trick or treat um, for the past five seasons with the Los Angeles Clippers, the GM still believe at some point the Clippers are still going to be in that hunt. And hopefully I think people are thinking with the load management um, rules put in place in the CBA this year, that that's going to affect and maybe have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George play more games there. Um, but it's, I still think the teams are going to figure out a way if those team goes guys are hurt or anything like that to manage their injuries. I still think they're going to find a way to manage those injuries and get around those rules. And I'm pretty sure they're going to try to figure that out. But the GM still believe in the Clippers. <laughs> and I think that's a testament to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. But I think most importantly, Ty Lue has been just been able to get the most out of all these guys here. And I think Terrence Mann can take a, a big jump for them. They need him to take a big jump. Russell Westbrook was brought back. Um, but it's going to be seeing if the Ivan Zubak can improve, if Markeith Morris can improve, um, or is it Marcus Morris? I always get those Morris brothers mixed up. Sorry for those guys. Sorry. But um, seeing if those other guys can step up. They lost uh, uh, Luke Kennard in the trade last year. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Clippers do. And, this, again, it's all hinges on health with them. At number six, we have the Memphis Grizzlies, who I think is going to be a little bit higher in my predictions, which I'll get to. But in terms of Memphis Grizzlies, obviously John Morant missing 25 games. Uh, Brandon Clark is not as healthy as uh, uh, to start the season, which was a big miss for last season. I thought if Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark were healthy, the Memphis Grizzlies would have been in the Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying they would have went to the Finals, but the Western Conference Finals, I firmly believe they would have been in that situation, especially with Ja, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., but I just felt like they didn't have the front court at that time to compete with the Lakers. Um, but I really like this team. I think they're going to be high, a little bit higher than people think. I think people are looking at the loss of Jones there at the back of point guard position. I believe now he's in Washington. Um, so people are saying that you're losing that playmaking and that stability there. And now you're bringing Marcus Smart, who is not the offensive player that he is. I think Marcus Smart's going to be able to stay afloat in that position. But when John Moran finally does come back, I believe the combination of him and Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Gives them ability to play a little bit of a smaller lineup. Maybe Luke Kennard can catch on there shooting the ball in Memphis um, and create a different lineup there for the Memphis Grizzlies that I think is going to be their end of the game lineup. Maybe they can put Clark down in there um, next to Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit better than Stephen Adams, who I don't think is going to be on the court in crunch time unless there's a big out there that's that need, requires him to be on the floor to play defensively. Other than that, I think Memphis has been – tantalizing with that smaller ball lineup, which I thought Jaron Jackson Jr. has to play the five in order for that team to win. Um, can he stay out of foul trouble is the question. <laughs> and during this stretch when John Morant's out, I want to see what Jaron Jackson Jr. can really do. Um, had a terrible FIBA showing um, 
I was sitting there for the past couple of years saying he's going to be the most improved player. He did win defensive player of the year and stuff like that. But it's like in terms of most improved player, in terms of scoring the basketball, being a threat um, next to John Moran and things of that nature, can he step up and be that guy for them? And the first 25 games out, John Moran's not going to be there. Desmond Bain has been able to step up over the past couple of years and been able to fill that void. But I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has to step up for this team to have any chance to be good in the Western Conference, at least for the first 25 games. He has to play at all-star level and be dominant. Um, moving to number seven, uh, teams are looking at uh, the New Orleans Pelicans there. Um, just the health of Zion, we've been waiting for it. They got C.J. McCollum, they got Brandon Ingram, who didn't have a great showing in FIBA. Um, but again, this all hinders on Zion Williamson. If he's going to be healthy, if he's going to be in shape, all these things, if he's going to, especially just, just the health thing. <laughs> if he wasn't in shape, I'm pretty sure they would take fat Zion right now at this point, right? But it seems like he's getting in shape. It seems like he's got his head on his shoulders, even though after all the <laughs> offseason transgressions with um, Mariah Mills, all that stuff that happened there um, during the offseason that came out, maybe it got him to lock in and refocus. But New Orleans, if they have Zion at 25 and 8, and being a force and teams not knowing what to do with him, that's going to bode well for the Pelicans. And maybe they can sneak up because even last year, I believe they were a higher seed, weren't they? They were, I think they were number one at one point in the Western Conference, even though everyone got hurt. I think CJ McCollum went down, Brandon Ingram, Zion, all those guys went down. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year. But again, it's been the same thing, especially the same with uh, the Los Angeles Clippers with their two stars. Can health, can Zion Williamson stay healthy? That's pretty much it. Um, moving on to number eight, which was surprising here because they played so well last year and broke that curse. I believe it was 16 years since not making the playoffs. Um, the Sacramento Kings at number eight, which I think is crazy because they have one of the best offenses in the league. And I don't see that changing, even with the Phoenix Suns um, adding Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Denver with Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic. It's just like I just don't see them having that far of a drop off. Keegan Murray's a year older. Um, Darren Fox, Sabonis. I think people are looking at that center position, thinking that Sabonis is not going to be able to hold up at that position because he's not a natural five, and especially a guy that can't protect the basket. Um, so that's going to be an interesting coy for them. Maybe there's a trade that they can make. Um, Robert Williams. Sacramento, think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, Sacramento, think about it. Maybe that can be an option for them. But I think they deserve a little bit more respect than that, especially De'Aaron Fox. I'm pretty sure Sacramento's already hearing all this stuff, especially with them being lowly rated in the Western Conference all of a sudden. And maybe it's a part of it that is maybe the Western Conference is just a little bit better now. Teams are just there. There's just It's just a stack Western Conference. It's just the nature of the beast. But I think they're going to look at that and use it as MO to try to Use it as motivation because this team was the best offensive last year with Mike Brown. Now, if they can just figure out a little tweaks defensively, I still think they're going to be a little bit higher than that. Um, at number nine, Dallas was a fringe playoff team to me. Um, I will go over my predictions, but uh, Luka Doncic is still going to be able to be a savant on that side of the ball, probably average nearly a triple-double. If him and Kyrie Irving can figure out that offense – but I just don't think they have enough defensively, especially sending out uh, Dorian Finney-Smith um, in those trades and stuff like that. They still have Tim Hardaway Jr., but it's just like I don't know how defensively this team holds up, especially even at the center position. I know Maxi Kleba, um, they drafted that young kid out of college. I, I think he uh, – I can't remember where he went. Um, but relying on those guys, um, 
I just don't see it for the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know. It's going to be tough. If Luka's going to have to play very, very special, and if he's going to be in that MVP conversation, I think that's where it's going to stand out right there. But I don't know how Dallas gets out of the play-in. I, I think they're going to be a solid. I think they're a lock for the play-in. Uh, not a lock. I won't say that because things can go wrong here. Luka could sprain an ankle. Kyrie can get hurt. Whatever happens with Kyrie, we know he misses 15, 20 games, um, depending on an injury or stuff like that. He does get hurt. He does have an injury history. Even if they do maximize their offense, I just don't know how they hold up defensively. I just don't think they can do that. And I think there's going to be some bad nights in trying to figure it out. Jason Kidd's going to have his handful trying to figure this out. Um, but that's where the GMs have them. OKC at number 10. And this is the most tantalizing team, I believe, listening to a couple podcasts and seeing people rank them. They have the biggest range. They can be out of the play-in. They can be in the play-in. People think that they can make a trade for somebody that can add, add, to, the, add to their playoff chances. And OKC is the, probably one of the most intriguing teams. They have guys at every position, Lou Dort, SGA, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams guys, um, Chet Hungram. They did not have a center last year, so that's the interesting point of this team. Um, a guy that can stretch the floor and continue to provide that spacing for a guy like SGA, pick and pop situations. It's going to be interesting. This is the most intriguing team in the league right now, I believe, other than Dallas. I mean, other than uh, uh, Phoenix uh, right now, other than what looking what Milwaukee's going to do in terms of what Damian Lillard's going to add to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the Boston Celtics there with uh, Drew Holiday, Chris Porzingis added to their team. But the most young, intriguing team right now is definitely the OKC Thunder. Definitely the OKC. KC Thunder. Uh, moving to our last subject here, our last topic here of the GM survey, who will win the NBA Finals? And number one, we have the Boston Celtics and Denver Nuggets at 33%. Makes the most sense in my eyes. I think the Boston Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the Western Conference. It makes sense that they will be there. Following up them will be the Milwaukee Bucks at number three there with 23% of the vote. Um, the additions of Damian Lillard, um, with all the comments that Giannis made, and especially sitting there going, hey, I wonder if I'm going to still be here and if the franchise is committed to winning, and they are. <laughs> they traded picks to get Drew Holiday in the past. They traded Drew Holiday to get Damian Lillard. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're not going to be threatened by Giannis Antetokounmpo in this way. That's saying, you're not going to blame us. <laughs> I said that. I think I said that uh, with Emmanuel Vincent when he came on. It's just – you cannot sit there and blame us. We did everything that we were supposed to do to put you in position to win. Now go do it. We got whatever Mike Budenhauser brought in Adrian Griffin. Make it work. <laughs> it's not going to be us that failed. <laughs> uh, the, the, the fans, the organizations, everybody, the media, they're not going to be able to come to us and say, hey, we failed Giannis. That's definitely what they did with uh, the Damian Lillard trade. At number four, picking up 3% in number five, the Clippers. Both these teams picking up 3% there, I just don't. Even with Denver last year, how great their offensive was, the thing that separated them from other high-octane teams was the ability to get stops. And I know Phoenix added Eric Gordon, and they think that's going to somehow fix their defensive on the perimeter position and stuff like that. Bradley Beal said he's committed to the defensive side of the ball as well. Frank Vogel, as their coach, has been a defensive specialist and has been improving defenses around the NBA for over a decade now. I just don't see it. Offensively, yes, they're going to score. 
But getting a stop, the flexibility to add to this team, I don't see it. Um, they're way over the cap. This is the team. And I think maybe they'd be able to sign somebody, maybe trade somebody. But it's just like this is the team. And looking at this team, I just don't see championship. Even with the additions of Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, we've seen high-octane offenses, especially in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Health was a factor, of course. Health can be a factor here as well with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, even Devin Booker, who got hurt last of the year. I just don't see it with those guys um, at this point in time. And same with the Clippers. <laughs> it's a health situation for these guys. It's not a cop out. It's a health situation. I just don't see it health wise. Those guys holding up and being able to stay consistent throughout the regular season into the playoffs. And that's been the thing. Everybody's like, just let's get to the playoffs. Let's just get to the playoffs. The only teams that I've seen that actually help and work out for was the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago and the Miami who who has made a couple finals runs over the past couple of years at the detriment to the Boston Celtics. Yeah, but just in general, when people always say, hey, let's just see what happens in the playoffs, a lot of the times these teams falter out, injuries happen again, as we saw with the Clippers, and it's just like in betting on the Suns and the Clippers, it's a long bet, and I just don't agree with that bet. I just don't see them winning. I just don't see them breaking through. Um, yeah, the NBA Finals, but that's how the GMs look at it. They got the Boston Celtics and Denver Nuggets at number one, which I agree, the Milwaukee Bucks at two. So those are the top three teams in the NBA in my eyes. I think clear none. Those are the top three teams. The GMs know what they're talking about on that situation. But that will do it for this episode here, season three, grand opening, um, episode one. Um, be looking to do more this week, especially with the regular season. I've been writing stuff down, making my predictions. I will get that on the podcast as well. First with the Eastern Conference, which I'm going to look at um, later this week, and then the – Probably this weekend, I'll be looking at the Western Conference with my predictions as well, trying to get that out as well. Um, as the regular season starts, I'm also going to try to be on the Manuel Vincent podcast, which is next week, the Mr. Vincent podcast on next week. So we'll see how that goes right before the regular season because the NBA season starts next Tuesday, and I can't wait. So that's going to be a, a fun time. Things are heating up in basketball. NFL is going on. Wrestling's heating up. A lot of things going on in the sports world, but that would do it for this episode debut episode of season three thank you guys for joining me thank you for listening thank you for watching and until next time thank you